we have the incredible Dr. Flux on tonight. So excited to share this absolutely ridiculously fun episode with Dr. Flux. How could it be anything less than? We talk about, I mean, pretty much literally everything. Um, diving into his history of who he's become, who he is today, where he's going, everything in between. And it's a laugh riot and fascinating. Uh, what a tremendous human being. Flux is amazing. I hope you enjoy this episode. As usual, before we get started here, I want to shout out Helmbot. Here's a th another little update that they have is, you know, some float centers are a little more gentle on their customers than others. Some are a little bit more hardline. Well, Helm has listened to you when it comes to cancellations. With Helmbot, you can now allow your customers to cancel all the way up to 15 minutes early before their appointment. So you can really put it in their hands, create flexibility, whatever you want to do with your business. Now, if you're a little more hardline or if you're a little more relaxed, Helm is going to be flexible enough to adapt to your needs. Helmbot.com is where you want to go to find this incredible scheduling software that's built by people who started float centers and no scheduling software worked well enough for them. So Gosh darn it, they just built their own, and guess what? Now it's the industry st industry standard, and what we use at the float shop, it's what Gloria uses across all of her businesses. It can't speak highly enough about it, but you don't have to take my word for it. You can schedule a free tour yourself and make sure it's a good fit for you. You can even uh, schedule a demo as well if, if you're trepidatious about that. Helmbot.com is where you want to go to get started. Also a big old shout out to Isopod. I love my Isopod float tanks. We have two of them at our float center at the float shop in Portland, and they're so super friendly that I don't think we're ever gonna switch to anything else. It's what we love. If, if we have to get rid of a float tank, if it'll fit in our rooms, it's what we're gonna use. They're built like a beast, like an absolute cast iron stove, except uh, a lot more pleasant looking than a cast iron stove. And that's the great thing, built, Built solid behind the scenes, absolutely friendly, forward-facing, spacious, and uh, everybody's always relieved when they see the float tank for the first time, when they've been building it up in their mind of what a float tank is going to look like, and then it's like, oh my gosh, this is way more spacious than I anticipated. We hear that all the time, and uh, yeah, tell, tell them where the float sent you, i-sopod.com, and let's get started with this amazing episode. Welcome back to another episode of Art of the Float, where float centers thrive. My name is Dylan, and I have liked Greg Griffin's comment on Facebook. So he will share a picture of his bare face without a beard, which he has not done for 10 years. So anybody who is listening to this episode live, I highly encourage you to jump onto Facebook. If you're not friends with him, I mean, his gardening photos and Lego builds uh, make it worth it alone, let alone his float industry expertise. So uh, yes, I'm Dylan and I'm the float shop in Portland, Oregon with my beautiful, lovely wife, Sandra. Hello, I am Gloria from Float 60 and I just shaved my beard too, but I didn't post <laughs> pictures. But uh, no, I, I don't know what our intro question is, but if we're talking about Greg Griffin, yeah. I think that he's fantastic and everybody should be friends with Greg. This is Drew from New Hampshire Float in little old New Hampshire, and I have like a faux beard going on. I don't, I don't know how we got on beards. Um, I like them. I think they're cool. Um, 
I don't know how Greg looks without his, but I bet he looks a lot younger. Um, so I'm curious how he looks, and I also think Greg's cool. <laughs> and this is Kim Hannon. I own Sukino Float Center in Salt Cave in southern Indiana, and I agree. I am dying to see what Greg looks like without his infamous beard. Um, so go like his his uh, post on Facebook so that he can show the world. Right. I think if he gets a thousand likes or something like that, he's going to share it. So uh, I'm pretty sure yes. he doesn't have a thousand Facebook friends, but he might. I don't know. <laughs> well, after so. this podcast, you know. <laughs> after exactly, Greg, you're welcome. Yeah, you're right. welcome. Right. <laughs> And, oh, gosh, I don't know if our guest is going to be able to weigh in on beards at all, but um, <laughs> let's go ahead and welcome Dr. MC Flux. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Hi, thanks for having me, everyone. I'm excited. And uh, I just got a beard trim. And so if they're watching the video version of this podcast, you can see a, a neatly coiffed <laughs> mustache and, and beard. So, uh, and I'm also very excited about seeing <laughs> you know, I derailed us from the very start of the show. I apologize, but I'm going to continue that. Um, so I um, have not had a, a, a trim on my beard since deciding to grow it out. And I wanted to ask you before recording, and now that we're talking about beards while recording, you actually you go to somebody to get it trimmed or do you do it yourself? I usually do it myself. Uh, I just got it. I got um, my hair was getting bushy on the sides, and so I went in and got got everything, just kind of like streamlined to the same length. Uh, but usually, I'll I'll trim it myself. And I, I've been starting to. When I started grad school, I was going for like the mountain man look, and I had this like huge bushy beard. I don't think anyone in the float industry knew me then, and uh, but there's pictures of it. Uh, and then recently, I've been I've been really digging like this the really short cropped kind of kind of beard so and and my mustache is at like peak form right now like this is this is the good length like you know plus plus half an inch minus half an inch like this is this is the range i go for i have a question yeah if i may if i may your mustache and i'm so glad that we're having you as our first is he our first video guest first first video guest so i mean you've just made history here but your your mustache it almost needs like structural support right how do you get it to stay like that is that some kind of product you use and like is there a a stick in there making it stick out like what's what's the deal there's no stick uh you know it it, (laughs) there's so much stuff that can go into shaping this mustache what's in it right now is very simple it's uh there's a product i like called layright pomade um and it is their tagline is goes in like a pomade sticks like a wax uh, and so it, it allows for really easy shaping and it just, you know, when it's this short, it can just go out. Um, but like, I've definitely gone through phases where I've gone through blow drying and hairspraying and shaping. I've like, I've done that wow. before. That's like when it's long and bushy and you can do cool things with it. Uh, but most of the time I just use the the pomade and it, it, you know, it sticks. And then if I want to really go for a curl, like I'll find more like a, a wax. Mm. Um, I have, I have a couple waxes that I'll sometimes use. So just for sponsorship's sake, what's the name of the product again? Uh, it's Today's Laywright. show is brought to you by Laywright. <laughs> Laywright. Laywright. Awesome. Laywright Pomade. L-A-Y-R-I-T-E. <laughs> Laywright, this is the audience. Come on, find us. Find us. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, Dr. Flux, do you use uh, beard oil? Do you need to moisturize I don't. In there at all? I should. Okay. Okay. So, like, I absolutely should. Um <laughs> You know, I, I wear a mask all day, and it has really been screwing with, like, my skin. 
Um, and so I, I have just been lazy, and uh, I'm a bad beard haver because I don't, I don't moisturize and I don't have a, a beard oil, but I, okay. I, I should. <laughs> okay. I, I only ask because I, I um, do beard oil, and it, it hurts my skin a little bit. Like it kind of gets like a minor rash under there, so I'm allergic to something. I was just curious if you had any recommendations. So uh, feel free to tweet me, tweet Art of the Flow. <laughs> yeah, we're not on Twitter much, but uh, Instagram me or something. Uh, I mean, I think we have spoken to you since you got your doctorate, but do you want to walk us through so a little bit? So technically, just I have to make oh, the oh, disclaimer oh. here. Technically, I don't have it yet. So, I, you know, Dr. Flux, I'm going by like, you know, because that's that it, it works and, you know, but uh, I don't get my doctorate until I finish my internship, which is the end of July. So technically, when I speak at the float conference this summer, exactly. it will be my first talk as the actual real official has the degree Dr. Dr. Flux. Nice. nice. But, but the, the name Dr. Flux has been with me for a long time. Tell and us we'll, more. Will the logo Dr. Flux be above your head in person as well, or, or just on just <laughs> above, on video? I'll have to bring it everywhere and just hold it, yes. hold it right above my head. <laughs> yeah, so, so um, when I was, you know, a, a baby, a, like 12 years ago, uh, I, when I first moved to New York City, I moved to New York, uh, you know, I, I, my life was, was kind of in, like, just all over the place. You know, I... Uh, when I, I came out uh, as gay at age 21, I was raised in a really uh, kind of fundamentalist Christian uh, household. Um, and, and like, I, you know, I was, I lost a lot of support, you know, when that happened. Um, not, not from my parents. My parents have actually really stood by me and, and they're, they're, they're amazing. It won't, my, my dad recently passed, but, but they've been, they've been really, really great about that. But there was a lot, you know, I lost a lot of community when that happened um, and it was also at a time where my mental health was really unstable and everything was kind of was kind of all over the place. And, and um, when when I left that religion, you know, I decided that I wanted to be a doctor. And um, and so I applied to Ph.D. programs and I got into NYU and their neuroscience program. Um, and uh, I moved to New York City and I had been this, like, very sheltered, very shy, like, introverted kid who didn't really have a lot of friends. And I suddenly moved to New York, and I was like, I'm going to be popular. I'm going to have friends. I'm going to do everything. And I just kind of, like, got onto the New York nightlife scene and went crazy. And I, I just started going to all of these shows, and I got sucked into the burlesque world. Um, you know, like, like, you know, burlesque is, is taking your clothes off on stage to tell a story. And uh, and so I started going to this burlesque show every Thursdays. And this was, you know, while I was in grad school, you know, I was working, uh, at, you know, I was at NYU working on research. And, and every night, you know, I would go out to these shows. And um, that was around the same time that, you know, I, I really wanted to get involved with nightlife. And so I started teaching myself how to do makeup. Um, and I started doing these really elaborate, like, looks that weren't exactly like drag queens, but they were just, like, really weird. And so one night I was at this show, um, the show was called Meaner, Harder, Leather. Uh, it was hosted by a drag queen named Misty Meaner and a, a burlesque performer named Stormy Leather and a boylesque performer named Gogo Harder. Uh, and Gogo, uh, mm. Gogo uh, Go -Go kind of like got off of his Gogo -Go box and like came up to me and I don't know what I was dressed as at the time and he was just like, "What are you doing?" And I was like, "What do you mean?" He's like, "You keep coming to this show like every Thursday. Like, do you want to be in it?" Uh, and I was like, 
okay. And he was like, put together a burlesque number. He's like, and wow. I'll put you in your in my show. He's like, but you're going to need another name. And I was like, oh, I'm going to need another name. Uh, and so I thought oh, about wow. it for a really long time. And I was like, what kind of name do I want? You know, and I thought back to this fact that like I had had this like year or two years that were just complete upheaval and like everything in my life had changed. And I lost so many people and gained so many new ones. And I was mm. learning to live with, uh, you know, some some really intense mental health problems. And and, you know, I was just like, my life is in flux. Like everything is constantly wow. changing. And I was like, but it's not a bad thing. Like, it's changing, and I keep growing, and I keep learning, and I keep becoming this new version of myself every time I grow and change. And so I wanted to have a name that reflected that. And so I go back to Gogo, and I'm like, okay, my name's going to be Flux. And he looks at me, and he's like, aren't you going to be a doctor someday? And I was like, well, someday. And he was like, you should be Dr. Flux. And wow. that is where Dr. Flux what? came from. And look at you now. You're Dr. Flux. And now now I am just about actually Dr. Flux. Yeah. Uh, It it only took 12 years, but. uh, Wow. But yeah. What a story. What a story. I am intrigued because I thought I was the only one on earth with the name Gogo, and it's not nearly as exciting as that story. But that's. (laughs) I'd love to meet this guy someday. He doesn't go by Gogo Harder anymore. I don't know exactly why he dropped it. His his actual name is Chris Harder. Um, and, no relation uh, to James. Or I don't think that's so. His name, right? I James. don't think yeah. so. Yeah, I don't think that James and him are related. <laughs> but but Chris uh, Chris he he's had a really interesting arc. Like he spent like he did burlesque for a while. Then he went into porn and like tried to get into porn. And then I don't know. I haven't talked to him recently. But for, all of a sudden he was no longer doing porn. And I was like, okay. And then he went back to school and got, like, an MFA, I think, in, like, theater writing. And is now, like, like he's performing as a burlesque performer in New York City, and he's also writing plays. Wow. A story as old as time. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love, like, I think about writing, for example. And, like, my life, there have been ups and downs. There have been interesting events. But... Somebody like that writing like has so much to pull from, so much personal experience. Like I can't imagine what what they're able to pull out with their with their writing. That's wonderful. Um, gosh, <laughs> how do, do I segue from, there? from that? I know, right? <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. Like, okay. Um, so, Flex, will you be performing in burlesque at the FloatCon? Oh, that's a very good question. And what do we need to do to make it happen? Yes. I mean, I know some people. Sounds like he wants to do it. I mean, I I have not performed a burlesque number since 2013. But, uh, I mean, if... I mean, we'll have to see where I'm at. Like, we need to finalize the full circle Dr. Dr. Flex here. So... I have to hit the gym before we do that. (laughs) Well, I I have another idea. You know, James and Amy Harder, they are hosting the FloatCon this year, right? So I think since it's kind of a... No, no, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, Gloria goes by Go-Go if anybody doesn't know that. Yeah, if if James could be the Go-Go Harder... He could do a number with Flux, and oh, it could be a really man. interesting. I'll, I'll I'll just supervise it. I'm not going to be dancing, but I think that could be a really interesting. I'm not on. against this idea. I'll put that out there. <laughs> All right. Uh, 
Hey, that's good business. We're going to sell more tickets. So the Flow Conference is going to sell more tickets. Right? Yeah, I, I, yeah, so I, I, used to, I, used to, I used to take my clothes off on stage for fun and money. You know, it was, it was my early 20s, man. <laughs> I love it. In New York, I mean. You, you seem pretty open, so I'm going to go ahead and pry a little bit here. Yeah. Uh, you're talking about stories. What kind of stories are you telling while taking your clothes off? Like, how, what was, I can only imagine yours were not mundane. I imagine oh, they were. No. <laughs> so, so, I mean, everything that I did had a science theme. So, like, every uh, number Dr. that Flex, I did was course, somehow yeah. science themed. So, so was Clara involved back then? Clara, Clara wasn't born yet. No, Cla- Clara okay. wasn't born until 2015. Um, so we're talking, this was like 2010 through 2013. Um, so like uh, my first number was just a strip out of a lab coat to she blinded me with science. And I had all of these <laughs> nice. lights on my fingers and like the nice. lights would come on and I did like stuff with that. Um, I had a number that was a reverse strip into a biohazard suit. So like the story was like I was a scientist and something had gone wrong and I like come out with this like smoking beaker and I have to rip off all my clothes like right away. And then I have to like seductively put on a biohazard suit, you know, to get to, oh, to, to my keep myself laundry. safe. Way to um, give yourself I, a challenge. Seductively yeah, redressing? <laughs> it was, I, I, well, I did it to Helter Skelter by the Beatles. Um, so it was, it was this like crazy wild, but I was like, also it was, yeah, it was, it was nuts. I have, I have video of some of this stuff. Um, that was going to be one of my questions. And, uh, <laughs> I, I did a number where I was a, I was a gay scientist and I needed to come up with a cure for the gay. And so I, I took this oh. cure, but instead of it curing me of being gay, it turned me super gay. <laughs> and so like every single reveal of the, of the number like got gayer and gayer. And it like ended with me in like a rainbow jockstrap, like pulling like cords and like rainbow flags fell from the oh ceiling. And I did God. a ribbon dance yeah. and it was. <laughs> How did the crowd respond to that? <laughs> oh, it, they, they went nuts. Yes. They went absolutely I can nuts. only imagine. Uh, can I ask? This, can you edit, yeah. Dylan? You said you can cannot Not much. edit. Mm-mm. Can I ask? A, I'm going to ask a question on the chat. Can I ask a question on the chat? Okay, that ask might a not question on the chat. Well, now everybody's going to know you're asking <laughs> I mean, a question on the chat. Can this I just say, can I use some filler really here? Interesting can I, direction. Yeah, and just say that I, for anybody who hasn't seen Burlesque, like gay, straight, doesn't matter. Really fun, awesome time seeing just awesome performers on stage. Highly, highly recommend if. If you've got that in your town or you're visiting a town, Portland, Maine, that might be able to offer that. Um, if this is inappropriate, I apologize in, avi- in advance. <laughs> Great. It's okay, Drew. I, I've, I've gotten um, a lot of questions about this before. <laughs> all right. Our podcast is so known for pushing the hump, if you so. think I can, If you think I can ask that question. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> Oh my god. Oh that my is god. Unexpected. I, okay, I, listen. <laughs> very specific. Me, I've always me, wondered that. Let I've me always stop wondered. The pod for a oh second. I'm I'm gonna bring out the mom of the podcast. I'm the elder here. I think we should let that lay. Agreed. Yeah. So for anybody wondering why there was a, a weird glitch on the podcast there. <laughs> Drew, push It'll the envelope. Be a fun thing only 
you can only find out the question and the answer if you come to Portland, Maine. <laughs> yes, right. yes. I will. I will only reveal what was asked of me. Okay. Uh, if you come to Portland, because uh, I've I've thought about if I was ever in that situation, oh, I think yeah, I God. would. <laughs> I think I would. But that's what you would do. I think that's your answer to. I think I would to perform. Is I mean, that how it works? Like I, I never knew that. I mean, I, I guess I, I've never I, been on stage. I mean, I will. I will. Uh, the only thing I will say is there, there were there were many things that I did to prepare for my burlesque. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All righty then. That is a great Woo! answer. <laughs> <sighs> I don't know where I'm right. going to edit that. All right. I, don't, I don't think it's possible. Thanks for putting Sorry. me to the test. <laughs> Sorry about that. Have fun with that. <laughs> this is great for podcasting. There was a, a bit of a side conversation, and I think I crossed the line for the general public. I apologize. Oh, <laughs> but that was a real – I was really curious about that. because When Gloria steps in to be like, no, you've gone too far, you yeah, know you've gone too far. You know it's far. gone too far. <laughs> yeah. So the Flow Conference is this awesome event that's happening, and uh, what are the dates, Kim? Oh, August 26th oh, through 27th. Fantastic. Yes, we're so like six months tickets away. Because these conversations that you weren't privy to, I think I'm going to edit all of that out. Um, no. No, you're not. Just, no, probably not. No. Nope. Probably not. It's fine. Um, this is I always fun. say, okay, the tease I is there. This out. is how you sell tickets to the float conference, okay? <laughs> this was all planned. I asked a really good question, so definitely come to the float conference to find out what the question exactly. was. We'll tell you the exactly. answer there. Yeah. yeah. But all yeah. but all joking aside, okay, yeah, let's get serious for a second. Yeah. I, I don't know if everybody knows how you transitioned from, you know, being in that type of nightlife to actually focusing on float research. I, I've never heard the story on how you actually got into the float research or if that was something you were working on from the beginning. Can you just tell us a little bit about that so the people in the float industry understand who you are? Yeah, I'll yeah. i this part. Um, yeah, so I so I was in New York, and, you know, as a burlesque performer, but also in a, in a PhD program, and I, I just, it, you know, I ended up getting into... Uh, a lab that didn't really fit what I wanted to do. I was really unhappy and like kind of, you know, merged that with just like, I, the way I've been putting it lately is I have a very delicate brain, like a really awesome brain. It does some really cool stuff, but like, you know, I have a lot of like, my mental health is something that, that can really kind of go off the rails. Um, and it's taken me years to, to understand it and, and to work with it. Um, and, and in 2013, I didn't really understand what was happening. Um, and, and just, I, I don't want to beat around the bush. I have a bipolar diagnosis. Uh, what I experience is actually pretty different from the DSM criteria for bipolar disorder, but I, I still kind of stick with it because it, it's good shorthand. But, you know, I have, I have, you know, I have the potential to have these very disruptive and very difficult and challenging, you know, life events. And that was what happened in 2013. And I was really unhappy with where I was at. Uh, you know, the PhD program wasn't going where I wanted it to. And I ended up, um, you know, just having a complete mental breakdown. Um, you know, a, a major, major mood episode. I ended up getting hospitalized in a psychiatric ward for a little while. Um, my entire life just kind of crumbled. And, um, you know, it, 
it took me a while to get back from that. And, you know, I moved back in with my parents. I got a job at the mall. Uh, I, I, was a, I was a retail manager uh, at Tivana for a little while, selling tea to people. Um, and, you know, after I had maybe a year, year and a half distance from what happened to me in New York, you know, I just started really thinking about what I wanted to do with my life. And uh, I realized that, you know, I wanted to do research, but I wanted to do research that was really tied and linked to humanity and to the human experience and to, you know, mental health and improvement and all of these things. Uh, and so I settled on, you know, what, where I ended up was at University of Colorado Boulder um, because they have a dual PhD program in neuroscience and clinical psychology. And I wanted to get the experience of being able to actually work with people uh, firsthand and, and see what that was like, but, but also be able to do, you know, kind of rigorous neuroscience research uh, in, a, in a way that, that um, kind of satisfied my curiosity and, and, and a lot of those aspects of me. And uh, so I, 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 went, I moved to Boulder to work with someone um, actually doing bipolar research. Uh, and it, it, again, it didn't work out. Like, kind of everything fell apart. Um, but this time, you know, I was, I was a lot more determined to make this work. Uh, and I, I ended up having to find a new lab. Uh, and there were no labs in the clinical psychology department who were taking students. Uh, and so I went, my first year of grad school, I went without a lab for a couple of months, and I was trying to figure out, you know, what I was going to do. Uh, and that was when I was put in touch with Dr. Christopher Lowry, um, who wasn't in any of the departments that I worked in. He was in the integrative physiology department at CU Boulder, University of Colorado. And, um, and we just started talking. And, you know, he is a, you know, neuroscientist, endocrinologist, you know, works in immunology. Uh, and, and I, you know, I'm coming at this, you know, I have a, my, my undergrad degrees in biotech. I worked in industrial biotech for a little while. Um, you know, I have this amazing experience of my master's at, at, at NYU, which was in neuroscience and physiology, you know, also a focus on, you know, um, circuitry, uh, molecular neuroscience, like that kind of stuff. But I'm also this person who's like really passionate about mental health and like, once, you know, is in this program to become a therapist. And so I'm talking to Dr. Lowry, and it just kind of clicks. And he's like, I have all of these clinical collaborations, but I don't have anyone who understands the clinical side. And he's like, you're here, and you understand the molecular biology, you understand the neuroscience, and you also know the clinical side. And he was like, this could be a really good fit. And I was like, yeah, no, I, I agree. And so I was like, all right, so I'm, I'll join your lab. I was like, but I need summer funding. Like, I need, I need a way to, to fund me through the summer, um, you know, so, so I can continue working. And, and he was like, well, I have this collaboration uh, with uh, a researcher. His name's Dr. Justin Feinstein. And, um, you know, he does something with, with flotation tanks. And I'm like, wow. what are those? <laughs> Uh, wow. And and so like I end up looking up a float a float center in in Boulder and I like have my first float and and then you know they basically are like okay like we have this project um, that we want you to work on for the whole summer um, we need you to analyze all of this data um, it's basically some of the stuff that turned into my first float talk uh, and um, they just kind of expected it to take me the summer and I did it in a weekend and. 
And Justin was just like, who is this guy? <laughs> and, uh, and so, like, I kept working with him. And then that summer, I went on a road trip, and I, I, went, I drove down to Tulsa, and I was able to uh, take a look at Liber. I met Justin in person. Um, and we started our collaboration, and, or, you know, continued our collaboration. Uh, and we kept working on this. Uh, you know, it would be another year uh, when I would have my first talk at the Float Conference. Uh, so my work with flotation comes from my passion for mental health, my passion for molecular biology, for immunology, for neuroscience, all of these like disparate pieces of my past and my life that, that I've really woven together uh, into, into something that's, that's I, I think, really beautiful and, and really constructive and holistic. Kim, does that sound like a fair answer for you? Is that... <laughs> I think it is, yeah. I think it is. I love it. It's it, and there's no secret. Like Flex, I adore you, and I always love getting to spend time and, and hearing what's going on in your brain and um, where things are. And it's just so cool to hear like your full background and to be able to take yeah. such um, an interesting story and all of these pieces of your life, and then to be able to put them together. And it just fits. It just fits. It's perfect. My first uh, reaction when you stopped talking was, what a gift we have yes, received. Yes, right. To um, have somebody with such, a, and literally I'm kind of choked up saying this, to have somebody with such passion and such diversity of education and knowledge in all of these, these areas of the body and the mind I mean, I've never met a creature like you, Flux. I think <laughs> it's uh, it's pretty amazing what you've done. So whatever the background was to get you here, we're we're grateful for it. Yeah, I'm I'm glad to you, be here. And if you're listening and you've never had a chance to hear Flux speak, um, you definitely need to because it, you have such a gift for taking all of the they really, really scientific academic language mm -hmm. and to put it in layman's terms and to, of course, your, your visuals are always stunning. So um, if you haven't seen his, there are some recorded uh, talks on the uh, YouTube channel from the float conference. You can catch some of the past ones, but flex makes all of his own graphics from scratch. And earlier uh, Gloria mentioned uh, Clara. So will you tell us a little bit about Clara and who <laughs> she is? Yeah, uh, so I I realized, you know, back in, I'm trying to think, where do I start? Well, so I've always had a passion for science communication. Um, when I was at NYU, um, we had to give first-year talks, and I was working on um, understanding the way that the brain processes visual motion, um, so how we see things that move. And the way that we do that is, like, we show people like moving dots uh, and and like you know the some of the dots are moving in a direction and some of the dots are just moving randomly and in order to understand how we can get people's perception to change we'll actually insert motion in a another direction um, into the gradient of the dots that are moving um, mm -hmm. and it'll be so low that the person can't detect it like they don't consciously know what's going on but it will actually bias their decisions. So we change the way that their brain is processing motion in a way to bias specific decisions. Um, and I thought that this was the coolest thing ever because it's basically like subliminal messaging. Mm. And so 
you know, I decided that my first year talk was going to be completely science fiction B-movie themed, and it was entitled Subliminal Motion Invades Your Mind. And every single slide had a different science fiction B-movie poster that went along with the content of what I was saying. And I had a whole, like, slide that was, like, all of these moving flying saucers to, like, talk about moving motion. And, um, you know, I, my advisor at the time, uh, who is a wonderful woman, um, and, and she actually came to my dissertation defense and, and said wonderful things about it, she didn't know what to do with me. Uh, she was a bit more straight-laced. And she let me do it to her credit, but I don't. We just never saw eye to eye, <laughs> at least at that time. I think we. I think we have reconciled. I. I. I respect her so deeply, but at the time, I think she was just like, "What is going on? <laughs> like, like, what are you doing?" And so, like, I've always had this passion for science communication and making it something really interesting. And so, um, you know, when I before I came before I got into the University of Colorado. You know, I didn't have a lot of clinical background, so I knew I was going to need some clinical background to get into grad school. So I started volunteering at a clinical lab at Temple University in Philadelphia um, uh, in the lab of uh, Dr. Lauren Alloy, who was absolutely wonderful. And, um, you know, I, 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 gave, I did some poster presentations, and, and for people who don't know, um, in science, when you go to a conference, there's generally two different types of ways to share information. One is through presentations where, you know, basically talks uh, and they can all be different lengths. And the other is through posters. Um, and posters are a way for a lot of people, especially people who are new in the field or younger, to get their ideas out and, and put all this information kind of on a poster. And then you go to these poster sessions and you'll be able to, you know, go from poster to poster, you know, talking to the people who, who made them and, and getting that information. So it's, it's, it's a way to get more information shared. Um, and you can usually do it, too, about data that might not be as mind-blowing. Um, maybe it's something that was really interesting, but it's not, like, for a paper yet, or it's not big enough for a mm -hmm. talk, so you put it on a poster. Um, that's not always the case, but, you know, that's how it happens. So, um, you know, I, was, I made some posters for a conference while I was in Dr. Alloy's lab, and I asked her, I was like, you know, would you mind if I made something a little bit more visual, like, creative? And she was just like, absolutely. She's like, you do whatever you want. And so I was, you know, I was working in adolescent mood disorders, and um, I was like, what do I want? I, like, I need a character. Like, I need, I need a mascot that I'm going to use for, for this, like, for these posters. And I don't know where it came out from, but I just, I sketched this little guy. Um, and at first, it was, it was, Claire is the one who's famous, but she was preceded by her, her brother, Randy. <laughs> Um, <laughs> Randy, Randy was the first, and and uh, uh, I, I, they had specific names. Like there are reasons why his name was Randy. Was because one of the things we talked about in our lab was an idea called reward sensitivity, and this is the idea that that folks who you know are you know are, have are have bipolar disorder, they tend to be more sensitive to rewards, um, and and that's just kind of like a a thing about about you know about that 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 condition. And so I wanted, like, a, a name that, like, went together. So he was Reward Sensitivity Randy. And, uh, and so Randy was started. And then, then later, after I did the, the posters um, at, at the conference, um, you know, I, I had some time before I got into grad school. And one of the things that I realized when I was in that lab was that, like, everyone in the lab, um, like, we were doing immune research in the lab. And no one knew anything about the immune system. That's not true. 
Dr. Alloy knew about the immune system, and some of the grad students knew about the immune system. But I was working with all of these other like lab techs, you know, and research assistants. And I was just talking to them, like, do you know anything? Like, do you know what a cytokine is? And and they were like, no, no, no. And I was just like, I am gonna make a presentation about the immune system and depression, and I'm gonna talk about how all of it's related. And so I went to Dr. Ella, and I'm like, hey, if I make a talk about this, can I do it for, for a lab meeting? And she's like, yeah. <laughs> she's like, you, you, you don't even have to ask me that. She's like, absolutely. <laughs> and so I, um, I made this whole talk. I did all of this research. You know, um, a lot of it went into my first float talk. And uh, I didn't want to use Randy because Randy was what I used for, for bipolar disorder. And so I was like, I want to use like a little, uh, like a, a girl, like a female character. And so I made this little character and I said, what am I going to name her? And the, the way that we conceptualized depression in the, the Alloy Lab was through a concept called cognitive vulnerabilities, um, which is this idea that like the way that we think kind of dictates how we feel. And certain people are more vulnerable because they have more cognitive vulnerabilities. So their thought patterns are more susceptible to depression. And so I, I was like, I have to come up with a C name. And so I was like, she's going to be cognitive vulnerability, Clara. <laughs> and, uh, and so I made cognitive vulnerability, Clara, and then, you know, fast forward several years. And like, I'm not, I'm not teaching everything within the framework of that lab, so I'm not talking about cognitive vulnerabilities anymore, but I still like the name Clara. And so Clara became the mascot for, like, everything I do that has to do with the immune system. Um, and uh, and, and that, is, that is how Clara was born. And then, then you know, then we've got Cavewoman Clara, and, and we, there's, there's so many different versions of her now. <laughs> Will she be making an appearance at this year's float conference? Oh, yeah, yeah. She'll definitely make an appearance. Nice. Yay. Do and, you know what? Oh, oh, please, Kim. Oh, oh, yes. And poster presentations. Like, this is such a cool concept that um, we started talking about, you know, how the scientific community, like, that's the norm when you go to conferences and events and things. And it's something, um, for those who aren't familiar, if you imagine, like, a science fair, but it's adults and research. Um, and if you put it in certain contexts, it can also be really fun because you're wandering around socializing and having a, a cocktail or two as you're talking to people. You know, that can happen as well. Um, and so we're going to be kind of playing with that idea at the float conference and bringing in cool. some folks to do poster presentations. Um, and they may not be specifically related to floating. It might mm. be some other topics, but there's a lot of benefit for us as a float community, like why we would want these scientists to come to the conference. So Flex, do you want to talk a little bit about why? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that the thing is, is that like understanding why all of this benefits us and all of this science helps us, you know, it helps us to make sure that we are talking about actual benefits and talking about things that really help people and using language that is accurate. Um, and, and that's what I always say, you know, whenever I talk to people and people ask me about things about floating and about benefits and that kind of stuff, I'm always like, there is always a way to talk about this in an accurate, you know, specific way that is still super exciting and super awesome, you know, and, and by gaining access to more scientific information, especially information that's, you know, maybe not about floating specifically, but is about concepts or principles that are related to what we're doing in floating, you know, that gives us the language that we can use, you know, with our floaters, you know, to help them to understand why this is so amazing and also to expand some of the benefits that we talk about. Mm -hmm. 
And it's also a great way to just connect the scientific community to the float industry. You know, hopefully while we're there, we can pique some curiosity and, you know, maybe find some of these up and coming scientists who are suddenly going, what is this floating thing? Because these people are really awesome. And then we get the next Dr. Flux coming in and we get, you know, the next uh, Justin Feinstein and everyone from library. Like we want to keep the, the science growing behind the industry um, and learn as much as we can. And so having those relationships with others who are already in the research field can really just help us to bridge a little bit more of that gap. And we need more people doing this. You know, we need more people to recognize the benefits of floating, to get into this. It is it is something that, you know, provides profound benefit. And, you know, it's so hard to gain traction uh, if you don't have people that are actually doing the work. And, you know, we have so many people who are doing different work. We have so many of you who are listening to this podcast, you know, people who are so passionate about this, who know the benefits that come from it, but we need the scientists to be there who speak that language to, to, to give the legitimacy to something that, that we know is, is helpful. Yeah. Absolutely. Awesome. Could not agree with that more. Um, can you talk a little bit about I'm sure your presentation is already done. You've got a button on it. And, <laughs> um, I so haven't even analyzed the data yet, so I don't know. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Fair enough. But So we were talking about Greg's uh, Facebook page earlier. I would highly encourage uh, following Flux as well. Um, I mean, but, gosh, what, what do you even say? There's so much. Besides, like, beautiful photography. Like, you were talking about your, your beard earlier. It's like, you have so many beautiful, I, I, don't, I don't know what, you, what I would call it, uh, Portraits, portraits, yeah, and um, but also um, an insight into how his brain works when it comes to designing something through virtual reality. Uh, he's been using recently has broken my brain. <laughs> uh, seeing how it works for him is absolutely fascinating. M MC Flux is just an absolute must follow. Please follow him on social media. In fact, are you on Instagram as well? I yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Instagram, Twitter. Um, I'm at Flux and Flux. Uh, I also have the brand that I'm hoping to jumpstart this summer, uh, Live Life in Flux. Uh, so that's that's my YouTube channel. There, there are only mm. two videos there right now, but uh, you know, I, I yeah. So uh, at Great. Flux and Flux, and anywhere is 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 a way to find me. Great, find him at all those locations. Absolutely <laughs> cool. I'll follow on YouTube. Follow you on YouTube ASAP. Um, do you know what your presentation is going to be about? Do you have any general ideas? No, I know exactly what it's it? going to be about. I can't. Okay. <laughs> I can't tell you what it's what it's going to be. I mean, what I'm going to talk about is what was supposed to be my dissertation project, um, mm. and and that uh, when COVID hit, uh, we just weren't able to to get oh. enough people in time. Um, but it is done now, um, and so this is this is the project that um, we take a look at people before and after a series of six or eight floats, I forget the number. Um, and, and what, you know, so, so what all of the work that we've done so far has just been looking at, um, like, what, what is going on inside, like, in a person's, like, blood, you know, on an immune level, like, before and after they float or before and after a couple floats. And, like, that can be really informative about the immune system, but one of the things that it's not, you know, about it is that it, it's, it's only telling us the resting state of the immune system. And we might not expect to see a lot of changes to just the resting state of the immune system. What we might be more 
you know, what we might be more prone to find is changes in the reactivity of the immune system. You know, does the immune system respond to challenges with the same force, you know, uh, before and after several floats? And so this experiment uh, tries to test that specifically. Um, and, and the results will have a lot of implications in terms of, you know, physical health, mental health, we'll have to see. Um, but, you know, my hypothesis is that, you know, floating regularly will decrease the reactivity of the immune system. Um, I don't know if that's what we're going to find. Uh, so, so this summer, I'll either have a presentation that says that's what happened, or I'll have a presentation that says that's not what we found, but this is still interesting. Sure. Um, and and I, I honestly have no idea because I haven't looked at the data yet. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, the, the, the thing that we do to, to understand that is that we take their blood and then we expose that blood to a bacterial endotoxin called LPS or lipopolysaccharide. Uh, and that is incubated with the blood. Um, LPS is a really potent activator uh, of a lot of innate immune cells, um, makes them release a lot of chemical messengers called cytokines. Uh, and uh, it gives us kind of an idea of how reactive the cells in the blood are. And so we're going to take a look at that at baseline, like before the people start floating, and then we're going to look at it after they've floated, um, I think it's six weeks and six floats, uh, and, uh, and then see if, if there's a shift. Um, and understanding the reactivity of the immune system can give us insights into understanding uh, things like um, autoimmunity, uh, depression, anxiety, uh, all of these different things are related to the reactivity of the immune system. Um, so I, if I may, I'm, I, I don't mind sounding stupid. Um, if, if I can put some <laughs> There's dumping, no stupid questions. Well, um, I, I will put that to the test. So my assumption would simply be we are all um, on go, go, go mode so much. Not go, go, but uh, go, go, go mode <laughs> so frequently that um, it's detrimental to our system and that we're, we're always in that fight or flight state, which we need to be in a recharge state in, in a parasympathetic mode more frequently, simply for our body to recover, revive, and be prepared to live and, and go into fight or flight. So it seems like uh, from my layman's thinking, absolutely that's gonna make a difference. And I would assume that things like meditation, even yoga would, would just like giving yourself downtime will improve uh, shoot, what did you call it? The re the reactivity of the immune system. Yes, thank you. Um, is that part known and, and assumed? And is it measuring how different the float will be, like weighed against these other, you know, kind of relaxation techniques? Or is it? You know, I think that um, the thing is, is that like looking at reactivity is more up and coming. It's it's something that people were still starting to look at. Is is that like you know. A lot of this has come from the work that has been done looking at baseline levels of the immune system and finding, like having findings that aren't super uh, uh, mind blowing. You know, the, 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 like my dissertation was really interesting because it looked at baseline changes in, in the immune system in floating, in response to cannabis, and in response to whole body hyperthermia. Um, and I found some cool stuff, but it wasn't really, it didn't knock a lot out of the park. Um, and so the idea that reactivity might be shifted is, is based off of some really interesting, well, it's based off a lot of things, but one of the things that it's really interestingly based off of is some new work 
um, that has looked at the way that the sympathetic nervous system changes the makeup uh, and the reactivity of cells that are released from the bone marrow. Um, and I just wrote a, a book chapter about this. This is about to get published. Um, but it's, it's, uh, it's this really interesting kind of uh, and complicated mechanism whereby extended stress, especially social stress, um, you know, activates the bone marrow through the sympathetic nervous system. And this biases the production of a type of immune cell called a monocyte um, towards a hyperinflammatory state. And so the bone marrow starts to release these hyperinflammatory or hyperreactive monocytes. Uh, and those monocytes are trafficked directly to the brain, specifically to areas of the brain that have to do with anxiety and depression. Uh, and they cross the blood-brain barrier. Uh, they enter the brain. They differentiate into a brain cell called microglia. Um, and they lead to increased neuroinflammation. And that increased neuroinflammation can lead to increases in anxiety, depression, that kind of thing. Um, it's in areas of the prefrontal cortex, the amygdala, and the hippocampus. Uh, and so by looking at the inflammatory potential of circulating immune cells like monocytes, we can kind of get insight into this process uh, and whether... Uh, floating or relaxation or meditation or anything um, is able to decrease that inflammatory phenotype. Um, and, you know, I think that's a simplified way of saying it. There's probably a lot of processes that go into this, but Did that's, you say that, that is was a mechanism. a simplified way of saying it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, okay. Dylan, I, I hope that that answered your question. I was going to say, huh, could you repeat that, please? Don't, um, don't worry. I, I'll, I'll play it uh, at half speed later. Half it's speed. All good. There we but, go. But this, so for, for those listening and watching, this is why Clara is so important oh, right, to right. flex in terms of the presentations, because things that you think are simplified are, you know, very complex uh, theories. And, uh, you know, just the, the way that you deliver the information is, is really powerful when you put it on the screen. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm so excited to learn about what you do find out. And the real reality is that what you find out may not be in favor of what we're looking for. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think the industry is looking for as, as much reinforcement as possible. But, you know, what's, what is the theory, just based on your research so far, uh, related to other studies that you've done, if that research doesn't prove to have this immune, immune response that you're looking for, are you still encouraged to, you know, pursue other avenues? Will that kind of inform your next project, I guess is what I'm asking. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think that, like... You know, this is the the thing is is that this is I'm gonna say it. This is very complicated. <laughs> Thank um, you. I, you know, I, I it think it makes us feel better. Like one of the one of the like let me let me give an example uh, that that'll bring us back to this. Um, so, you know, when we first started seeing associations between the immune system and depression. It was thought that, like, oh, my gosh, depression is an inflammatory disorder. All we need to do is reduce inflammation in people, and we are going to be able to, like, basically solve depression. Um, this was, like, the early aughts. Like, this was what we thought. We, we had all of this amazing data that was like, oh, look at all of these immune issues in these people who are depressed. And so uh, a colleague of mine 
you know, a few colleagues of mine actually, you know, came up with an actual clinical trial where they used a immune-based treatment. Uh, it, it was a drug called infliximab, uh, which, uh, you know, uh, was uh, for anyone at home who, who wants to know is a monoclonal antibody targeting tumor necrosis factor alpha. Um, but uh, for the rest of us, it's basically I'm just sure something that's dying to know that <laughs> it's, answer. It's, it's something that tones down the immune system. Um, and, and so they took a bunch of people who were depressed and they treated them with this, this drug. And in aggregate, nothing happened. And it was this, it was like crushing. It was like, wait a second. Yeah. Like we thought that in, like depression is an immune problem. Like what's going on here? And so then they did a really smart thing and they said, well, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. Maybe, maybe not all of the people who are depressed have inflammation. And so they divided the people up by the folks in the trial who were like had higher inflammation and those that didn't have higher inflammation. And they looked at the results in that context. And what they found was that for the folks that had higher inflammation, the drug actually made their depression a lot better. But for the folks that didn't have higher depression, it made it worse. And when you pooled all of that together, it made it look like nothing was happening. Hmm. Oh, and yeah, kind of totally. like canceled each other out. Yeah. And so wow. what we did scientifically. Yeah. No, yeah. They it canceled each other out. <laughs> and and so what we learned from that was that not everybody who is depressed has elevated inflammation that is causing that depression. And so it's possible that we might not get that kind of result from this study, but we might need to identify, like, are there people that were responding? Are there people that weren't? Like, maybe this doesn't happen the same for everyone. And I think that that's something that we need to be willing to approach in the industry is this idea that, you know, different benefits hit different people in different ways. And, you know, we like to talk about how floating is this panacea and it's this great thing for everyone and it affects, you know, gives everyone these, these, these benefits. And when it comes down to it, you know, it might not. Um, that doesn't mean that it's not good. It just means that there are going to be some people that are going to benefit and there's going to be some people who don't. And that's yeah. totally okay. And knowing that, if we can identify the people that are going to benefit, then we can be more targeting to, to find those people and say, oh, this is how it's going to help you. And then other people who come in, maybe be honest and be like, well, you might not actually have this kind of experience. You know, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's, and so it, it really, you know, there's so many ways to look at this, you know, and, and a no result, a negative result or, or, a, or a lack of result from this experiment might not necessarily indicate that nothing's going on. It, it might just mean that the, the, the issue is a lot more complicated and we have to keep asking questions. We all are excited about that one. I was going to ask. I was going to ask one more question yeah. um, related to what you think you can accomplish by the time the end of August rolls around. So, are you going to be able to compute your your data analysis prior to you know midsummer to where you can actually like come to some conclusions, or will it kind of take that amount of time to? run up to what you find and then you have to go off and find conclusions. I, I guess what I'm trying to ask is by the time the float conference rolls around, is that going to be enough time for you to understand if there's a different slice that we mm. can go on and what that path is going to be? Absolutely. I mean, I mean, oh, the good. thing is, is that what has been really challenging for me um, 
in internship is that like my capacity is like insanely reduced. Um, you know, working with patients uh, as frequently as I am, as as consistently as I am, is it's just it's it's incredibly, you know, it it it, it takes a lot out of me. I mean, I'm, I'm very happy to do it, and I love this work, but like it's it's very draining. And um, you know, I get a couple hours every Sunday to work on this stuff. Um, gotcha. But that being said, like if I, you know, in if I had if I had the time, I could do this in a couple days. Um, it's just like I have so many different things in the queue that like and and I have such limited time to do it that but like this will 110 percent be done by the float conference. You know, I'm I'm hoping this gets done in the next like month or two. Um, that's that's kind of the the timeline that I'm working on. Um, Great. And then and then that'll give me the summer to work on the presentation. So, uh, yeah, no, it'll it'll definitely be done. Um, it's it's just I think I I've been. I, I've been chomping at the bit because I have like several things in the queue before this that, that that I've had to work on instead, and I'm I'm just really wanting to analyze this data because I I designed this study I've been working on it since 2018. Like, <laughs> so I just wanted to drive home kind of the point that you were making a moment ago about um, how sometimes the the benefits that we get are not, you know, it's not a universal thing. We often talk about how floating. Um, lowers blood pressure. And I'm a prime example of the opposite is true. I already have really low blood pressure, but if I measure mine post float and I look at my heartbeat, they're typically higher after a float um, than they are uh, previously. And so Flex and I had had a conversation kind of uh, briefly about that online, um, about the differences that there are so many complications and so many, you know, intricacies in all of this that sometimes the science isn't cut and dry it's not going to be exactly what we want it to be but it can lead us to other things and I think it's really cool to be able to to understand that it I still get so many great benefits even though this particular one doesn't happen for me well and I I think you know speaking to that point specifically you know that goes along with what we've seen in uh, anorexic patients um so so folks with anorexia uh they have very low blood pressure and what we have found uh, is that it, it seems floating seems to normalize normalize yes. blood pressure in some way, um, and uh, and that that uh, that goes along with my 2019 float conference about the heart. Float conference talk about mm. the heart. It's <sighs> so fascinating, and yeah, I know, right? I I I find the idea that looking at data and how you parse it out is so important to be fascinating. And I think it's so interesting what specifically specifically you're looking at can give you different impressions as well, like what data you're choosing to look at in the first place. Uh, I'm glad you're the one who's looking at the data. <laughs> I'm going to say Dr. Flux. Yes. Thank you. Um, well, thank you for being here tonight. Thank you for sharing everything. Thank you for presenting at the Float Conference year after year. <laughs> you're an absolute highlight of the show. And is there anything you want to leave the Float audience with before we close out? Um, I don't know. I, you know, I think that I, I'm in the process of really thinking about where I'm going to go next with everything. Mm. Um, I think, you know, I, I do want to stay connected to the research and, and consult. And, you know, I, I, you know, I, I have a great working relationship with Dr. Kalsa. Um, I adore him. Um, I'm also trying to figure out how I can make the biggest impact um, and I think that one of the things that I'm, I'm really leaning towards is, is trying to start making content online, trying to start, you know, putting things out there. You know, I think that if, if I could really 
you know, the, the, the goal that I would like to work towards is, is being more of a public figure and a communicator. Um, and so uh, over the next year, uh, I'm going to try and start making more content, try to come up with a strategy uh, for how to communicate more and do more things. So, you know, I'd love for everyone who's listening and all of my floaters, to, you know, to, to be along for the ride. Um, it's It's been an amazing opportunity to really uh, kind of grow in, in this process of, of going to these float conferences. Like each conference has just been a new milestone for me in the way that I communicate and the way that I talk about things. And I've always gotten so much amazing feedback and, and I really want to take that to the next level. And I'm not totally sure where that's going to take me, but uh, I hope you'll all be along for the ride. And we're all nodding our heads vehemently. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> we will absolutely be very, along. Very, very grateful. Yeah, and I'll just speak because I know I haven't been speaking. I'm really fascinated and I look forward to speaking with you in Portland because I have a bunch of questions that mm. I don't oh, think boy. this is the right platform on, but well, I'm like fascinated that. by how the brain works and like what causes anxiety and why does one person, why does it, whatever is happening, happen to one person and not another. And um, I do have a lot of those questions and I can't wait to maybe hang out after hours late night and ask some really fun questions that I just sit there in awe and be like, whoa, absolutely. I, I think that's cool stuff. That's the hardest Portland. Wait. That'll be Portland. Yeah. That's the hardest Portland, part for the float Maine. conference to put on a billboard or an ad is like, we can say we've, we've got this, we've got this person speaking, but it's those conversations, those late night, you know, having a mixed drink and, and talking science with a, a doctor that you would never be sitting across from any other time of the year. It's just and, absolutely and- amazing. Just to plug too, I'm going to be there for the whole thing this time. Like, so I, in, in August, I am like my, my internship ends in, uh, uh, at the end of July and I am taking a couple months off. Uh, I'm going to be doing some consulting work, but like, I'm, I'm taking some time off to really center myself and figure out what I'm doing next. So I'm just going to be like hanging out in Portland, Maine. Awesome. <laughs> like, I'll be awesome. there. So, so, so just start, start making, grabbing my time and we'll, we'll, we'll chat. I, I can't wait to talk awesome. to you. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I'm fascinated by it. So thank you for coming on. It's exciting. So I I I in my own head, I think I've kind of followed you when you were talking. And I'm I'm curious if I really was or if I have no clue what I'm thinking right now. But it's all fascinating stuff. I've always been fascinated. And as a float center owner, Mm -hmm. I see people who come in and I talk to them, people who have mental health issues, pain issues that are causing mental health issues, um, anxiety. I've had a customer who pulled up to the front door and didn't come in the first time she came to float, turned around and left. And then it was a no-show. And then she came like a week or two later. And I said, and, and then she said, you know, I, I had anxiety. I couldn't get out of the car. Like what causes that in some people, but not others, right? Like that is a fascinating question to me. And we see these people coming into our float centers with real issues. And when they float, at least anecdotally, we see them come out feeling better. I see that all the time. And people will verbalize, hey, I was feeling this before and now I feel this. And it's often a positive um, difference from when they came in to when they're leaving and we can see it in their face and we call it that post float glow. So what is floating doing to these people that 
that makes that happen. And it's fascinating to see. And it's awesome to try, try and learn some of the science behind it, you know. So it's hard to explain when you're there. You say, ah, yeah, the post low glow. I don't know. We're, we're trying to right. figure it out. Right. But yeah, you, don't you feel awesome, you know, when new people come in and float and they're like, whoa, I feel so much better. It's this amazing experience we get to we get to have with people. And it'd be great to know like exactly what's going on that causes that, right? I'm all for it. And I'm all for having late night chats about it. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do it. Yeah. Uh, I, I Quite genuinely, that that is worth the, the price of admission. Truly, it, it is such a special part of the Flow Conference. Uh, flowconference.com is where you want to go, by the way, if you want to get some tickets. And um, you know what? Can I just ask live on the air here about uh, hotels, B&Bs, and whatnot? Because I think it's a little bit different this year. Can you talk about that? Yeah, we're actually well, getting ready to ears. send... We're going to be sending out an email this week, um, letting people know our group rate at the preferred hotel, as well as some other options. So we do have a small block of rooms that are reserved and, and a minimum that we have to meet. Um, we got a discount in order to do that. Portland is uh, a travel destination. And so we know that, you know, expenses might be a little bit higher for some folks. So we wanted to give a couple of other alternative options too. Um, but you'll be getting an email about that this week. Cool. Awesome. Well, thank you, Cam. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Um, thank you so much, Dr. Flux. Truly such a gosh darn pleasure to have you on every single time. The only guest I get nervous about having on. Oh, <laughs> I love being here. I love all of you guys. <laughs> so fun. Love it. So much fun. I'm, so delightful. And I just I, I love what you're doing and I love how you're able to explain it. Even as Drew said, he's he's able to grok what you've got to say here. Uh, you bring it down from pretty high levels. So thank you. Uh, before we close out, I also want to give a few thanks. One, of course, is to my co-hosts. You delight me each and every week. Thank you so much for joining me. I truly appreciate it. Thanks to everybody for listening, for letting us uh, into your ears and into your brain and hopefully giving you some awesome information and, and things to think about uh, with regards to your float center. Thanks to everybody who is supporting us on Patreon. Also super, super appreciated. Um, and now also our uh, float shop store, shop.artofthefloat.com. If you want to get video clips, a few testimonial videos, and uh, Gloria's showing off the mug, mugs, T-shirts, and... I can now talk about some other stuff with that real quick, if I may. Um, oh, yeah, Drew's got the mug, too. Gloria's got the shirt. Uh, with it, This isn't, in the end, it won't just be Art of the Float uh, branded merch. But what I really want is to attract artists, attract artists to the shop and um, have them sell their own work for whether it's um, T-shirts, canvas, whatever, um, and get that on the site so that it can be a hub for the float industry to um, bring in their uh, artistic expression and, and interests, and then also have them make money by selling their stuff on it as well. Um, so that's that's my dream. And uh, at this point, it is um, the clips that I talked about, uh, scientific blog posts, and things that go out for our Patreon content that we uh, would want to release later um, is now now available. So chiggity, check it out. I'm I'm pretty proud of it. And uh, let's see here. Thanks to our sponsors, of course, Helmbot. Thank you so much for supporting us. And thanks so much to Isopod. Thank you for supporting us. And again, Flux, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a complete honor and a joy and a lot of laughs, too. (laughs) And uh, as always, 
Uh, we will see you at the Float Conference where you can see Go Go Gloria, James Harder, and MC Flux on stage doing some, some nice dance work. We'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.